Thong Song has um, um, it has a mad key change. Have you ever noticed the key change? It's fucking what is that? Da, 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 da. And you're like, what? Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 197 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards! Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and this episode is a gentle climb as we age against the machine with music, comedy, and ridiculous sentences. Ah, I see what you've done there. His stand-up show is called Age Against the Machine. This week's guest is comedian, musician, and all-round funny legend and super, super nice human, the brilliant Josh Weller. Yes, what a hilarious stand-up comedian, but he likes to call himself a failed musician. He's a retired punk author and apparently obsessed with cheese. But seriously, Josh has had such an insane and unique trajectory in his career. You might recognize him from your local comedy club, TV, or making you cry laughing with various virtual videos, poking fun at the music industry and getting older, or his songwriting before finding himself as a comic. He was signed to a major record label as a solo artist, fronted his punk band, The Kenneths, and pretty much played with everyone in the process. From The Offspring to Mumford & Sons, The Descendants, Stereophonics, Less Than Jake, Florence and the Machine, and even did the legendary US Warp Tour in 2015. Mad. And we're going to talk all about it. His journey, the parallels between music and comedy, and I know this is someone you've admired for a long time, Sean, appreciating his jokes, and have even sent me endless amount of his videos in the past yes before we even contacted him about coming on i've been a fan for a good couple of years and he's hilarious and i urge you to go and check out his instagram and watch some of his videos because they are brilliant go and watch his one about the women's euros final (laughs) it cracked me up you're not expecting it it's fucking brilliant basically he's done the fucking trajectory that I've wanted to do all my life, <laughs> but um, 
despite having giant testicles, apparently just don't have the testicular fortitude to go into doing what he does. He's our first dead guest as well. That was interesting. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we're getting into that. Yeah, but so I, if, if you're wondering what the fuck I'm talking about, you're going to have to listen <laughs> on the new, really. Our first dead guest. <laughs> yeah, but we literally get into everything from some real bizarre moments you wouldn't believe if I told you. Uh, the curse of punk and emo kids getting older these days, and we all know about that. Uh, hecklers, record deals, influences... Ideas behind some of his most famous sketches, and we get an exclusive insight into his research behind the biggest plot hole in the film Taken with <laughs> Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking brilliant. I love him. I genuinely love him. If you listen to this, I'm sorry for that. I just did a bit of a gush, <laughs> but yeah, he's fucking hilarious. The similarities and parallels between being a comedian and being in a band and his career and my career have been so similar and yeah i find it mad that we've both got to do what we got to do but um i feel like he deserves it because he's very very funny so yeah thank you very much josh for coming on if you're listening to this nice one you're gonna be sick of us tagging you in stuff all week but do us a favor give it a share because it helps all of us yeah, it does. And you can check out everything we post this week and how much we will annoy him at Sapman Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, if you enjoy this podcast, you want to help us continue making it each and every week, please go and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapman. But without any further ado, this is the hilarious, funny, witty, and comic genius that is Josh Weller on episode 197 of Sapman Podcast. One night, seven on the motherfucking mic. I don't know why I did that. Uh, Sapnin! Sapnin! Good week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Sapnin. 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 Yes, a very precise Sapnin there from this week's guest. <laughs> Comedian, musician, graphic novelist, podcast host, presenter, and our very first guest, who according to the Wikipedia, <laughs> is dead. <gasps> yeah. I'd like to point out that I, I, I do all of those things badly. Like it sounds like, that sounds like I'm sort of un, I'm like an entrepreneur. Like I'm a, I'm a failed musician. My, my comic, <laughs> yeah, my comic book didn't do, it sold like nine copies. My podcast is about Formula One. It's so fucking niche. And, uh, and I've only been a comedian for three years. So I mean, thank you for the intro. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently you're not really dead because we can see you unless you're haunting us. So I'm not sure what's going on there. It's what it is, is that I, I, it's, I just find it mad that so Wikipedia is so weird that they just, I just have a Wikipedia page and I can't delete it. So I just keep updating it in saying I've died in different ways. Yeah. What was the last way you died then? What was this me? The fir- the, what happened the, 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 first? the most, most recent one is, um, in mysterious circumstances with a Hereford cattle and a waffle iron. But the thing is, is there's lots of people called Josh Weller who've died. So, you know, you have to provide like a source. I just keep adding other Josh Weller's obituaries. So, so technically it's, <laughs> it's factually correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a dead Josh Weller. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, how, um, if you were to die via a waffle iron though, how would you think you would go? I'd want to get, I wouldn't want to be burned by it. I'd want to be smashed over the head with it. Get it over quickly. Yeah, bludgeoned. Definitely bludgeoned over burning, I think. Surely. Apart from being dead on the internet, how is things going with you day to day, man? How's, how's life at the moment? It's good. Um, very good. Yeah, I've been, I've just been gigging every night. So I've just been doing stand up. You know, we're very lucky as comedians. You know, I was a musician all my twenties and early thirties. And like, um, we were very lucky that comedy clubs opens probably a year before music venues. When did, when did gigs start back up? It was this year really, wasn't it? Like, like full capacity shows. Yeah, I think so. We did, um, we did the download pilot in 2021. Uh, but that wasn't, that was very, Oh, what the fuck's going on? Do we, can I go near people? Are we allowed to mosh? I remember going to a gig in August and then there was a lockdown again. I think Shows really started towards the end of the year and then fall back up again this year. So, but yeah, it seems like comedy was right on the ball with that and the kind of the, those seating yeah. gigs as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of those outdoor gigs. I'll die, when I die, I hope none of those gigs flash before my eyes. They were just <laughs> like comics were doing gigs in, in like uh, dr- like car parks to cars and stuff. And if and if you if if you did a good joke they would toot their horn <laughs> <laughs> and the, which is a really horrible way to find out you're not having a good show or that you're not funny it's just cars not honking at you <laughs> yeah 500 sets of fucking headlights blaring at yeah. you not a single fucking noise oh my god that'd be dreadful oh not I even did, a rev um, get off <laughs> get off <laughs> I did one theatre when everything was sort of opening up, but still, you know, they weren't, the venues weren't at capacity and it was a theatre, it's like 500 seats and I got there and 
and the promoter was like, oh, the gig sold out. It's gonna, and I walked out and there was like 15 people in there because it was all they were allowed. <laughs> like, oh. it was, yeah, it was Socially oh. distant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fucking four corners of the seat in. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah, Josh, I wanted to talk about um, music and comedy. And um, yeah, and how did you go from one to the other, really? So, yeah, if you could talk, if we could talk a little bit about your musical background and what happened and what led to your comedy career and you being very very funny on the internet well i was i i was in i grew up in norwich and uh sorry to hear that yeah mate it's <laughs> do you know what's great about norwich is when you enter you know when you enter any city it's like you are now entering and it has like a quite a slogan for the city the sl- the official slogan for norwich is a fine city <laughs> it's, just, it's just fine it's fine yeah yeah <laughs> norwich It'll do. <laughs> like they, they must know by now that word has two meanings. It has the old-fashioned term, like she was a fine lady, but it also means it's fucking okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Norwich at best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should. Yeah, the sign should say Norwich, a solid six. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, I grew up in Norwich playing in 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 punk bands. I was in a band called the. The opposable thumbs with my. F- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fucking love a punk band name. The opposable thumbs. Oh, okay. And um, we we went to see. So how old were we? It was when Less Than Jake released Borders and Boundaries. So two thousand. I remember because we threw a demo tape at them, a tape, a oh, demo really? cassette tape. Wow, nice. And. Um, and then I started another band called Your Loss, which went for a few years, and then I left that and. I, emo and punk and all that stuff kind of um i just sort of lost interest in it i was i was like 16 i was a kid i was a child and then i started making solo music uh and then moved to london when i was 18 and um i got signed to universal um when i was 23 and i got dropped by universal when i was 23 um Yeah, how did that come about? How did the was this with the Kenneths? No, this was before the Kenneths. I was a solo artist, and I, I just I moved to London, and I just did every open mic. I did every much like comedy is you climb up the ladder by pulling your socks up and and working your your you know your ass off. And I, I did um, so many gigs, and those eventually those gigs became. I was like, I wasn't very the I had an acoustic guitar, and I would like stamp on a tambourine. And I had this stupid haircut, like two foot high. I don't know what I was thinking. I think it's because I moved out of a city where if you, you know, Norfolk's quite a backwards, inbred, racist place. And that's being nice about it. And, yeah. um, oh, Bertha Tidville, that's where I'm from. Yeah, yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. And uh, I think I just went overboard. I think when you move to London, you're so anonymous and no one gives a shit what you look like or what mm. you dress like. And like any good city or any good place, and and um, I just went mad and wore like a bow tie and tweed jacket. I had spray painted my sorry spray uh, hairsprayed my hair like two foot up in the air, like a sort of mixed race Marge Simpson, and um, <laughs> and just <laughs> and just gigged all the time. And eventually, I got a manager who was actually just a coke dealer, and then I got another manager who. Uh, was um a nice guy 
And he worked really hard for me and, and all the record labels in England turned me down. And then we finally signed a deal in, in France. And uh, yeah, it, 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 that took like, took like three or four years of intense gigging and writing songs. And I, then I, and it sort of went downhill from there. I got, uh, made an album that got, that wasn't very good and uh, got a bit screwed over by the producer. Contractually, they found like a little loophole in the contract and um, then it charged, charged me extra money after we uh. recorded it for, for mixes and stuff. So like, all the, all the classic stories. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then moved to another manager who managed loads of pop artists and they really tried to turn me into a pop star. And I, I, I again, the combination of didn't enjoy it and, and just wasn't good enough. I remember them saying like there were these big Swedish men and they were like, you're going to, you're the next, uh, you're going to be like Bruno Mars. And I remember just thinking he's so talented. Like I can't, pl- I can't do what I'm, he's a drummer, like, uh, and a, and a sick musician in every aspect. I can barely sing in two octaves. <laughs> like, like, really hit one octave quit and then i went and worked in a toy shop for like four years and then i then you know all i was listening to all i've ever really listened to really everything's come back to punk rock for me and descendants and stuff like that and then i started this punk band while i was working in a toy shop and um purely by chance one of my buddies knew kevin lyman who ran the vans warp tour Mm. and he sent him out a demo just a fucking demo and then we got asked to go on the warp tour it was like it was within like four months of starting the band. And um, this was 2015, end of 2014. And um, yeah, start, and then this, the punk band, we signed a, uh, to an American manager. She managed like um, Rise Against and Anti-Flag and stuff like that. And then she, we did the Warp Tour and then, we, uh, and then things kind of started building momentum. Like we made a record with Bill Stevenson, who's, you know, Descendants drummer, songwriter, punk legend. Like, I mean, I have a Descendants tattoo. So nice. To, what did you to, have? It, you had it prior to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh, yeah. nice. It wasn't like a, oh, yes, came in the. It's like me getting it. <laughs> yeah, it's like me getting a tattoo because I worked with Jason Perry on an album. Do you know what? Uh, I fucking like a now. I'm just like you know, it's taken this long. <laughs> nothing, nothing has been out for 25 years. But go on, I'm gonna fucking have an a tattoo. But yeah, oh, right, yeah, so good. funny. Yeah, so. Yeah, that must have been, yeah, it coming full circle. That must have been a fucking dream for you. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, and, and like Bill is like, I mean, that's a mad thing to process when like Bill Stevenson starts emailing you. And like he was sending us like voice notes of song ideas. And stuff. I've still got them in my email. Like I listen to them probably a couple of times a year. Just be <laughs> like, I should really finish these because some of the ideas you sent us were really good. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, that was an amazing experience. And, um, you know, we got to open for the Descendants a couple of times, I think. And, uh, but it just didn't, the record just didn't connect. It just didn't. I think that we thought that the fan base was younger than it was. And we were going out on tour with a lot, you know, like as it is and a lot, a lot mm. of young. I mean, they're not, I mean, everyone's 30 now. I mean, they <laughs> when we started, <laughs> yeah. you know. I was older than them when we started, but I remember being like, these guys are kids. And now we're just all old men. Like we're just yeah. all grown ups. But elder emo is now the worst yeah. fucking term of all time. Elder emo. And it must be so hard to, I mean, uh, to be, to write a song when you're 17. That's like, 
I got grounded by my parents. And then you have to go out at 30 <laughs> and do it. it You're it still just, singing it, yeah. Um, which is not, sorry, that's not me casting Aspersion as it is. I think they're, they're great guys. Oh, no, but, um, much love, much love for them on, on here. Yeah, much love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but we did Warp Tour with the, and like, you know, we were kind of going out with all those types of bands, Boston Manor and, um, uh, I mean, the, the, the most fun ones were like when it was like anti-flag descendants. Those were the tours that I was like, oh, we're, this is the right audience. Like older divorced dads. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Angry at the world because their relationship yeah. didn't work yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I haven't yeah. had a wash for months. I haven't had a fucking wash for months. Come on. Like we, I remember we, were, we actually ended up touring with Less Than Jake, which was pretty, which was fun for, for like the 14 year old in me. It was pretty cool because like, they were my heroes. I don't think they spoke to us the whole tour, but they, when I was 14, oh. I loved them. <laughs> 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 and, uh, but I get it. I, this is the thing. It's like, it's not, it's, they weren't being dicks. They're like 45 years. It's their job. Like they mm. can't make friends with every support band. Like that's, they just have to go out and fill those rooms and make enough bank to pay their mortgages. Like that's, I, you know, that I, I would judge them more if they wanted to get drunk every night. I think that they just were like, <laughs> they were like, yeah. let's just play the shows. And, uh, and they kept joking. It was quite funny. They kept joking on stage every night that we paid them like an extortionate amount of money to open for them. Oh, and, wow. uh, oh that was, fuckers. that was, yeah, no, it was, he was just fucking around. It wasn't, um, I don't think it was ill. Um, you know, he didn't mean it maliciously. We ended up going on the road with them and I just remember their audience, like those ska punk people just, I have a photo that I keep meaning to blow up and get printed, which is from the back of the stage. It's me, the Oxford Academy, and I've got my leg on a monitor and I'm like, I'm like giving it the whole punk rock fit and it's just 500 people bored out of their minds. <laughs> <laughs> we need to see this photo. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Yeah. yeah please, please do. do. That- that should be the backdrop of your comedy gigs from now on. You should just put that there. <laughs> just be it's see. like a Renaissance painting. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. like, a, it just, it's just, everyone is like, what? Just, we want to have a skank. <laughs> we want to skank. Just shut up. <laughs> Listen, I've got a, I've got a fucking babysitter for tonight. I've paid £7 for parking. I just want to skank in these three quarter length shorts I've got on. Come on, these dreads are not going to grow themselves. Spit in my ear. <laughs> exactly. Oh, attack Sc- I attack Scar every week on this podcast, so I've enjoyed this. Yeah, but really, when, when you look back at your career, it's been such a, a journey and trajectory with having all those mad experiences as a musician, especially coming from that kind of background of being a diehard music fan, to go into comedy and all the things you've done there and everything. I mean... When you get a chance to, to look back, is it just kind of wild to see all the things you have managed to do in different avenues? Some of the things, it's more looking back and going, and I, I had a similar experience last week that I can't really, uh, I, I, I did a gig with one, of, I got to open for one of my heroes and like, there's a video of it and I can't, I keep, I can't really bring myself to watch it. Okay. Cause is this the, um, it, is this the Fred Armazan show that you did? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I'm a, such a big Fred Armisen fan, and I just got this DM from him three hours before the gig that was like, "Oh, I love your videos. Do you want to come and open?" What? You, yeah, yeah. How the how do you process that? That's um, fucking mental. 
and uh, and then he and also he made me go on in the mid not made me he asked me to go on in the middle of the show as well his current show i think it's called comedy for musicians but if you're not that's okay i think that's the name of his tour and um he does half an hour with, uh, with guitar and then half an hour like with drums and um and he's also from a punk he was he was in a band called Trenchmouth who were like you know punk rock band i think late 80s early 90s which also didn't do as well as he wanted so we we kind of we kind of bonded quite a lot over this our failed punk backgrounds but um it was mate i had to open and close for fred armison like it was fucking intimidating <laughs> <laughs> yeah but how did it go did it go well oh man it was so good yeah it went so 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 well and um and but things like that you know it's more looking back and going like i remember i mimed drums i mimed drums for ray davies at the raw variety like that's like it doesn't feel like it happened it's like that's such you a weird fuck- sentence yeah, I was just about to say, you keep saying the fucking stranger sentence yeah. I've ever heard. How did that come about? I was um, Depp on, which uh, any non-musicians, it's like I would, when the guitarist couldn't do the gig, I would do the gig for uh, Paloma Faith, who I knew when her first album came out. I say, I say Depp guitar. What I would do is, if it was a mime gig, because I wasn't good enough at guitar to actually play the guitar that the guitarist would play. <laughs> so when there was a mime gig, he, he was like, no, nah, I can't really be bothered. So I'd get like 300 quid to go and mime on like David Dickinson's show or, um, <laughs> it's on the internet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> David fucking Dickinson. That's the first mention of David Dickinson ever yeah, on this podcast. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fucking so glad. Yeah. Yeah, but why is he turning down a three hundred pound gig? That's what was he not getting paid the three hundred pound, or were you only getting paid the three hundred pound if I would get paid three hundred quid to fill in for him, and then and then um, yeah, the raw variety was okay. This is a, okay. This is what happened. So um, I was they, obviously when you mime drums, so I can play drums a little bit. So I knew, and I stayed up the whole night before like learning because I hate when you watch a drummer miming. Mm. And, and, and the fills are like, tell that the drum fills aren't fake or you could tell they're not a drummer. So I learned the fills like properly. So it would look real on telly. And you, um, when you mime drums, they put these pads on the drums so that the drums don't make any noise. And they put two cymbals on top of each other so that they don't like wash when you, you know, they don't make a noise when you hit them. And, um, I went up and we sound checked. And then there's the stage curtain was down and Michael McIntyre was introducing, it was Ray Davies and, and Paloma Faith. And uh, Michael McIntyre was like, da, 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 and, he, and he introduced and the, the curtain started coming up and I hit the snare drum and Kylie Minogue, who was on before, um, her drummer didn't have any drum pads. So he stole mine and like put them on his kit. And I could see, I could see two things. I could see his kit being wheeled off out of the building with my drum pads on it. And I could see him looking at me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Just gonna have a note, yeah. And he sort of did this, uh, like this, like, I don't know, like this gesture, his hands went up his shoulders. He was like, Oh, like a Larry David. Oh, like, yeah. um, and, and I ran, ran like as fast as I could, the curtains coming up and I ran and I grabbed the drum pads, I ran back to the drum kit and I threw them on like pancakes. I threw them onto the drums and thank fuck Michael McIntyre fluffed the intro. So they had to put the curtains back down 
and reintroduce the X. <laughs> and like, I would have, I mean, not that, I, I mean, it wouldn't matter if they fired me because it wasn't my job, but the, I, they would have had to reshoot oh, it because wow. I was running to the drum because the curtain <laughs> yeah. came. <laughs> it would have been better if they just left all that in though. I mean, that would have been great, great effects for it. But that's what I mean, man. Like, you're saying so many r- mad sentences that people listening to this won't be able to comprehend of stuff that, you know, that you just imagine would be lifehold stories that you would tell people forever. So you, you have done so many stuff in all those different avenues. But like, what was the moment really that you decided like after music didn't, wasn't like the, the right fit for you to maybe go in and start comedy? Because I imagine music's quite a funny medium anyway. And being on stage for, for all those years really helped with that. Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was during the Kenneths, uh, which was my, my band, punk band. I've known Leanne Lahava since we were like 18. Cause when we were doing open mics in London together, we, we met and she obviously, she's, for anyone listening who doesn't know who she is, she's like, a, she's the sort of modern, I, I'm reluctant to call her a soul singer cause it's more progressive than that. Um, but she's huge. When she did the Royal Albert Hall, she asked us to open for her, like as a punk band. And everyone told us not to do it. Like our manager, our booking agent, her booking agent was like doing acoustic set. I was like, it's punk. Like, no. And I called Leanne and was like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't do it. And Leanne went, no, fuck it. Like they keep trying to get, cause whenever, you know, when, when you do, a, when you're an artist of her level, everyone tries to suggest bands or artists to support you on tour. And I think she felt like everyone that they were suggesting was like, kind of like a, carbon copy of her or like you know like just sort of it didn't really fit for her and she wanted i think she just wanted to piss everyone off so she asked us to, to open the bands we talked about it and they tried to put us off in many ways um they charged us you know we had to pay like a lot of money to use their sound man which is kind of standard practice when you're in a band and they paid us to do the royal albert hall got paid 150 quid so we lost so much money doing it and i still have the email from the booking from uh from caa somewhere that says uh can we get a thousand pounds to cover our van and he emailed back going do you know how many people want to do this gig it's like the response that we got. <laughs> which i would reply going yeah but i am doing the gig yeah so yeah. where's that fucking thousand pound no bed but we did this is why bands rely on merch so much just because when we played the royal Albert hall we were so lucky to sell one t-shirt um, yeah. <laughs> So fucking uh, one t-shirt. <laughs> I've done that myself. Um, yeah, my former band. We got out, we got offered to go and do five dates with Linkin Park in oh, place in places they never played. So it was like Latvia, Lithuania. We played their first ever Greece show, um, which was eighteen thousand people turning up to your first ever show in Greece. Like, so we were like, right there, we play it. We worked out we were playing to one hundred and fifty thousand people in these like five or six dates we had with them. So we got like 500 t-shirts printed at least. And we were like, look, we need to keep on this. So we're going to do 500 every night. <laughs> we'll just get more printed the next day and all this shit. We sold one. No, no. The whole tour, we sold 14 t-shirts, oh. right? <laughs> 150,000 people, 14 t-shirts sold. In Lithuania, we sold one t-shirt and we had a price match with Linkin Park. Because for anybody who doesn't know, if you're a support band, you've normally got a price match with the headliner. So we sold a T-shirt, right, which was the equivalent of the standard week's wage in Latvia. And we were like, if we find this guy 
he can come to any of our shows forever for free. Because the fact that he came to see Linkin Park and he went, that load of Welsh fucking twats. I quite like him. I'm going to get one t-shirt for a week's <laughs> fucking wage. <laughs> That's fucking unbelievable. I, but yeah. I t- price matching is like, just to go on record here, like, can big bands just stop trying to fuck small bands? It is such an insecure dick move that you're worried that the support band's going to sell more merch than you. So you make <laughs> them sell a t-shirt for 40 pounds. Yeah. It is like the mer- merch is your, it's the lifeblood of every touring up and coming, even bands who are at a level where they're playing like Kentish town for If you're, even if you're selling like 3000 tickets a night, you're still, you need merch. And it, bl- it blows my mind. We've had to price match with certain bands and like, it just made me hate them. It's like, why, why do you have, why do we have to do this? You guys are, you guys have a house, like you guys own property and cars yeah. and like, you know what I mean? Probably some of yeah. you have a second home. Like I have three pairs of socks, <laughs> like let me, yeah. blows my mind. But anyway, yeah, sorry, your question. Um, you said, uh, anyway, we went on stage at the Royal Albert Hall and I remember walking on stage going, I was thinking as I walked on stage going, oh man, I can't wait to tell some jokes in between the songs. And uh, that was, that was the moment when I was like, oh shit, I need to quit music. That was- oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, if that, yeah, if that's the case, I, I should have fucking done that about 15 years. I should have fucking quit music about 15 years ago. Cause that's all I look forward to now is fucking having a laugh in between songs. But that's what I mean. Though. There's so many elements of music where if you took them out of context are just funny and ridiculous anyway. Like I know online you do loads of kind of parody videos of looking at songs or how mid-sized bands uh, announce tours. That's or my favourite. Su- they're supporting Stained and Hooverstank across oh, Europe. But, yeah, the use, the use of Stained <laughs> and Alien Ant Farm at the Crawford Arms. <laughs> Was fucking genius. It had me in fucking tears when I watched that. I, That's brilliant. I, I think we did open for Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> of like, course I, you did. <laughs> I think the, the the way to to process trauma is to confront it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see Aaron Lewis in the Crawford Arms now because he'd fucking hate it like the fucking daft racist. But there must be, <laughs> there must be so many moments like that where you were just at the time thinking to anyone else, this sounds like a parody. It sounds stupid. I mean, at the time it was like, you just think that to be fair, like every band that we open with, I'm, I am incredibly grateful. Like I'm, I'm not taking the piss out of any of those acts. I mean, I am, but I'm not doing it in a way that it comes from a place of love. Like I still think Binoir, Binoir by Stain is a, is oh, a unbelievable. It's a oh, yeah. banger. It's a banger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and I know I made a joke about Less Than Jake, but that's not how I, like, it's not a joke. I just said we support them. I did support them. So for me, for the joke to be as true as possible, you ha- it, it was made sense to pull from what was real. And um, Alien Ant Farm as well. Like, I own all of those bands' albums and they were, Less Than Jake, Less Than Jake was my first gig. So w- when we were doing it, I was so grateful to be doing it. I, you know, um, it's like that was like bucket list stuff. Like even you know we opened for the Offspring. That's a band that like I yeah. worship. I still love Smash. You know when you're doing it, you kind of just think, well, you know, this will lead to the next thing. This will open the next door. And um, and then some of them was like, I remember we got we were opening for uh, the Dead Kennedys, and we were doing their their uh, we were meant to we were meant to do their European tour, and um, obviously it was it, Dead Kennedys without the front man, but. Um, 
uh, about two weeks before the tour, they emailed us going, cool guys. So, and it was like, I think we were getting 50 quid a gig. So it's like, obviously you'd be losing money, but we figured we'd put all of our gear in the back of a car, do the whole car, uh, car tour. So we don't have to rent a vehicle, save loads of money. And we'll just use their back line, which was as expected when you're opening for a band in small rooms. But they emailed us two weeks before the tour. And we're like, okay guys. So, um, uh, we're going to need to use your backline. <laughs> and, we and we were like, what? Oh, oh sorry. Backline is, uh, uh, amps drum kits is what that is and we, we were like no we're the opening band and they were like yeah but they were doing the same thing we were doing they were like yeah but we're trying to save money and we were like yeah but we need to save money more than you do <laughs> yeah we're gonna <laughs> less yeah, than you yeah, yeah, you yeah. fucking maniacs we're not the dead kennedys um, <laughs> uh, so we didn't do the tour we couldn't do it yeah oh wow that's crazy that's crazy but like looking at moments supporting the offspring for example or warp tour and things like that is there anyone you've met across the way where you really kind of wouldn't expect it and you like your teenage self would be really like flabbergasted that you had those kind of opportunities to be like performing or in the same room as, as some of your idols i think all of them in a way it's so many of those people shaped my childhood um and but i mean bill stick bill obviously descendants mm. You know, Milo and, and the fact that I know them is still odd to me. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it, what's been really, really um, nice is seeing those people and those musicians and bands that we toured with, who maybe, maybe even bands that I didn't. I got a message last week from, um, oh, fuck. See, to me, and this is not, this is just my stupidity, but a lot of those punk band or those emo bands like we we came as romans and memphis mayfire and to me they're all the same band. i can't i don't know which ones are which it's like for me like um the uh stone roses and um who are the other ones from that era ha- happy monday happy, yeah they're the same band they're the <laughs> yeah, same 100%. band to me yeah yeah 100%, yeah 100%, yeah one they both have a song that goes i don't know which one it is one of them, one of one band that we actually did warp to with his name, I can't remember. But the the bassist like DM me being like, "Oh, I'm such a big fan of your comedy stuff," and uh, and I was like, "Oh yeah, well, I think we toured with you." And that that's been f- amazing for me is like seeing uh, people who I either idolized growing up or, or, or kind of was connected to musically, kind of s- start enjoying my comedy. And I think that that's is hugely. It shouldn't be gratifying, gratifying because I think that probably speaks volumes about my insecurities. Um, but <laughs> um, it's a really, really nice feeling, man, to have those those people you grew up listening to and to have them think that you're funny. It's fucking mind blowing. Who's some of your like comedy heroes? Who did you? What what got you into comedy then? Like, was there was there someone you saw, or is it like? Do you remember? Like for me, like what, what, I first got into comedy through watching stuff like my parents used to watch like Jasper mm. Carrot, uh, yeah. Dave, Dave Allen, um, yeah. and stuff Jethro. like that. And then, yeah, Jethro. Oh, Jesus Christ, Jethro. I forgot about him. He's died recently, haven't he? R.I.P. Yeah, Jethro, he but, did. Yeah, 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 he um, did. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, that kind of got me into comedy. Was, it, was there anything like that for you or? I mean, I was lucky that because, you know, my mum's black and my dad's uh, white. 
And I don't know why I heard that. I know what color he is. He, um, <laughs> he's, he's, you, you also said white with a bit more vitriol and you did black. As I <laughs> <laughs> you went, my mom's black and my dad's white. Yeah, he's painfully white. He's pa- he's so white. He's never seasoned any food in his oh, okay. fucking life. Okay. He's ne- yeah, he can't dance. He's never danced. Oh it's my god, he is so uh just it's just a, a line of loafers as you walk into his dumb white house. You know? <laughs> he's just gonna kill us on twenty four seven in the house. That's it. Oh fucking brilliant. And my oh, dad crying. is the kind of guy he there's my dad is the kind of guy who'd be like you know the jam were good but i think the style council were better and we're like dad you're just <laughs> you're in, you're empirically wrong yeah. yeah wings only the band the beatles could have yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah my dad is and god love him yeah, he's partridge isn't he but, um <laughs> yeah and oh, uh fucking brilliant uh but he i've forgotten the question what was yeah, the question comedy. Comedy. yeah what, what are you into Oh yeah, I was lucky that I had those two different cultures. So on my, I remember watching Chris Rock with not. I was my mum wasn't watching Chris Rock. It was just on when I was a kid. And Richard Richard Pryor, I remember watching with my mum. Lenny Henry, I remember watching with my mum. And I remember seeing my dad like pissing himself at Steve Martin and Billy Connolly. And I remember seeing my mum laughing at Chris Rock and Richard Pryor. But neither of them, I mean, they're divorced now, so it makes sense, but they, <laughs> but they, but they didn't, they didn't like the other person's comedy. Okay. Never the two shall meet comedy wise. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it was, um, it, that, uh, it's weird because my parents are uh, two people who, they're not like arty, you know, thick rimmed glasses who go to art galleries. They're not, they're just, they're just, my mum works in a supermarket. My dad was in the air force. Like they're normal people, but accidentally at points, they, they have stumbled upon like having really good taste in certain things and, uh, and really broad taste as well. Music and, and what they found funny and what movie. And also they just let me watch every, when I was like seven years old, I was watching movies that I should not have been watching. And that as well, like being like seven or six when I watch Wayne's world or something and like just having your br- and my, I, like I was playing, I played my niece and nephew, um, two weeks ago, I played them, uh, Eiffel 65 blue and they'd never heard. What? Um, oh, well, cool, they, yeah. yeah. Cause they're, you know, they're seven, six and four and they never, ever heard the song. And I showed them it and they were like, they made this face that was like, this isn't Encanto. Like, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> and then two weeks later, my sister, like the other day, she sent me a video and they know all the words. What they weren't even singing along to the song. They just know all in the back of the car a cappella. They were going, Now this is a story. Like they just knew about a man who lives and they knew all of it. And I and I was thinking, wow, that's amazing. But then I realized like they're six, like they know like three songs. It's really easy for them to learn all the lyrics because their brain is empty. Their brain's got nothing in it. So they can and I think that for me, like I just sucked up like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels by Steve Martin and, and Wayne's World and like all and all that stand up when I was a kid, like it just lived in me. And really when I think about being a musician, like all I was doing in the studio was trying to make people laugh. I wasn't trying to be a good musician. It, I should have realized much sooner that I should have been a comedian. Well, during all this, I've just realized, like me and you are so similar. It's insane. 
to the point where it's just made me sad in my heart to realise that yeah, I should I should have been doing I should have been having a bash of the comedy a bit earlier than me now saying oh I'm gonna do it, but I never fucking get around to doing it. But yeah, yeah, but um, that's the good thing about stand up is like, how old are you? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 38? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it's the, the difference with stand-up is that there's a shelf life to being a musician, sadly. And there shouldn't be, because in the 80s, the biggest pop stars in the world were fucking like Phil Collins and Tina Turner. Mm. Like a black woman in her 40s and, and a divorced dad. Like, it shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know what? You know, Phil Collins, you look at him, you know he owns more than one samurai sword. You know? <laughs> yeah. He has that look. <laughs> He does have that look. Oh, I'd love to see his collection. That's, and music is in a position now where like, if you're, I remember turning 26 and being like, oh no, I'm too old for music. And um, in comedy, it's different because age adds validity, it adds experience, it adds failure, it adds people want it. Like I see it every night where, you know, you see like 23 year old comics and they'll come, some of them will come off stage and be like, ah, I don't know why they don't like me. And I'm like, it's because you're 23. It's like, you're going to be great. You, you've got, by the time you're my age, you'd have, you'll have been doing comedy for, you know, 10 years. You're going to be, you'll have all that experience. But no one gives a shit what a 23-year-old has to say about the world because they don't fucking know. There's a lot. Yeah, I, I may just start doing stand-up. You'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> Would you say that, especially growing older, uh, doing comedy that different experiences really helps with material as well yeah hell yeah, 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 yeah. and i w- when i started doing comedy i was like um i'm not going to talk about music i'm not i don't want to uh i want to learn and I, i'm not going to play anything on stage because i think that punk in me was like the pun- the most punk rock thing to do is have a microphone and just eat my balls for as many years as it takes and once I'm good enough at comedy with just a microphone, then I can start introducing other aspects with different mediums that I can add to my, my experience and ability. And um, I'm still not, I don't play any instruments on stage. I, I, have, I have a couple of backing tracks, but that's only because I, I play my first single in my show. That is a show I'm working on. It's not finished, but I play my, the actual first song I ever released because it's so bad. can we find it online is it online already i mean it's probably somewhere lurking in the dark (laughs) crevices of itunes 
Oh, well, so, um, someone listening to this will find it, that's for sure. They, uh, they oh, love, they love opening so shit. It's, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, like, I've st- I started talking about music on stage purely from, really from the guidance of other comedians. They were like, uh, a couple of comedians said that I'm the only comedian that has a failed music career. They got a record deal that, like, you know, and uh, that to not draw from that is mad. Mm. And, and I have been, and I'm so... F- glad i did because it led to things like fred armison you know it led to people like that finding out who i am so i'm really glad that i'm that i talk about it as well so yeah Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have that that different mixture of perspectives as well that you can go and talk about those things when you need to but that's not your gimmick it's not your one trip pony like some some people do use things like that as as an advantage so saying that is there any memorable heckles or anything from crowds that you that stand out from you because I'm sure you've you've been uh, you've had a few over your time in stand up. Um, well, in the first heckle I ever got in music was, or the one that lives in my soul was, um, I was opening for the Maccabees at the Leeds Cockpit. Rest in peace. About four songs in, someone shouted that my flies were undone. That was the, that was one I remember. But the other ones, I mean, yeah, I mean, I did a because I. It, it, with stand-up, I sort of, I've been very lucky and I sort of jumped up the ladder quite quickly. And uh, at certain points, you will do a gig and you realize that you're just not ready. And I did this gig in, uh, I can't remember, I, I mean, I do remember, I'm not going to say where it was. And um, But they they haven't had me back. And uh, I was only about four months in, I was only about four months in and I went up and I fucking, I opened for like Jack Whitehall and I was just shit, I was just bad. And uh, uh, someone shouted, tell a joke about a minute in. And that was, uh, yeah, but that's, you know, you it's all good, that stuff. They were right. I wasn't being funny. And you and either you walk away from it and you uh, cry in a corner or you analyze what happened and why you failed and why you got to that point and you kind of you learn from it. So every heckle is, not every heckle. This is the other thing as well. I think because YouTube and Reels and because the thing is, is comedians don't want to burn their material by putting it online. So they, a lot of them post their crowd work. And what that's done is it's sort of facilitated this culture where people think when they go to a comedy show, they're part of the fucking show. Mm. And they're not. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're thinking about going to a comedy gig lately, sit down and shut the fuck up. Uh, it's rhetorical. You're not. You're not. Don't heckle people. And, uh, and, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, but then you get better from it as well. So it's, it's, a, it is one of those relationships where like it, you don't want people to, but actually the best place to be is fine with it, you know, which took some time to get there. But, um, yeah, bring it on. It's fine. <laughs> nice. That's a good attitude to have, really. But Josh, as we start to wind down here, one of the other things I wanted to just bring up with you quickly um, is the fact that you're a very strong believer that the plot in Taken is completely wrong and a teenage girl would never follow you two around Europe. But she Europe. wouldn't, would she? She fucking wouldn't. <laughs> and I'm, I'm with you on this. Nobody under <laughs> 25 likes you two. Fact. Fact. Yeah, yeah. Fact. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I made a whole document. Well, fake documentary. <laughs> and I, yeah. I tried to re- I tried to contact the director in the movie studio and um, 
and uh, and it, it but it went like i put i put it out on christmas eve and it and it went like madly and i think just because everyone was at home and we spent ages i did it with claire house who's an, another stand-up she's brilliant and um and she said she was like you know we should do it like those jonathan frakes 90s things where he's like we fake the whole thing we should make like a real documentary and we're working on the next one at the minute uh which i, I don't want to say what it's going to be about but um but the Taken one was, yeah, the idea was that I didn't believe that basically the, the movie Taken exists because of you two, because the girl was following you two around on tour. <laughs> and she was like 18 and it's like 2005. Yeah. It was like I, 2007. It was like, don't bullshit me. Like that's bad writing. Whoever came up with that. And like, I, c- I can't say what, what he said because I was sworn to secrecy, mm-hmm. but, and, and I've never said this publicly, but I, I got an email from Liam Neeson. He saw it. You fucking kidding uh, me? No. And I, an actor who was in a movie with him, and again, <laughs> like I'm, I'm sworn to see. I like he. I was told specifically not to tweet the responses, but like I got an email from Liam Neeson explaining why, why it was you two in the movie, and but also the one thing I can say is that the email I got from Liam Neeson. He used a lot of emojis, which was very cute. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was yeah. so cute. <laughs> so, you for real have had an email yeah, yeah, from yeah. Liam? No, yeah, 100 on my mother's life. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Wow. Like, uh, it's Liam Neeson yeah. at gmail.com, uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Liam Neeson <Lisa, laughs> 69 at gmail.com. Rob, Rob Roy 17 at yahoo.com. <laughs> what? Um- I want to know what emojis he used. Like uh, uh, la- laughing, 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 hilarious face, crying, oh, smiling good. face. Oh, good. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. As long as he didn't do angry. Yeah, he's just <laughs> no. like, even lots of angry ones. Or it was aubergine. one of the best things. Um, it was, and I got it on Christmas Eve as well. So like, oh, what wow. a present! Um, yeah, what a present! And someone who was in a movie with him who follows me on Twitter was like, DM me and was like, "What's your email address?" And he sent it to Liam Neeson. And Liam Neeson responded with an answer, but he did say, please don't tweet it. So I was like, all right, fine. So I've got to take it to my grave. And it's so annoying because I could have done a whole follow-up with, you know, about his response, but I I can't. It's really heartbreaking, but um, I will respect Liam Neeson's privacy. Oh, that's unbelievable. Because Mm, if you don't- Mental. He knows yeah, he, he will, he find, will find you. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a particular set of skills. Emojis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's very good at doing emojis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Well, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time for all this, mate. We've had uh, a really yes. good laugh and it's just been great to hear your insight into everything. And before you go, though, please let us know of anything you'd like to plug, any stand-up gigs, tours, where people can check out uh, material, please uh, put anything you'd like out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, just for, firstly, f- yeah, my Instagram is where all the live dates, and all my videos, obviously, which is just Josh Weller. Oh, I think it's at Josh Weller, Josh Weller. And, um, and then, yeah, I mean, the shows, I mean, I gig every night. There's no, I mean, it's all the time. So just, yeah, follow, just come if anyone wants to. And then, um, and then my other, my, yeah, my podcast, which is, um, the biggest unofficial Formula One podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's so niche. Formula One is such a dumb sport, but I love it. And it's just it's so easy to make. I think that it's the, it's really the only Formula One podcast where we're re- like really taking the piss out of how stupid that 
sport is and uh but from a place of love i think but um yeah it's called dirty air and uh it's out every monday so that's that's but that's it man cool. nice Sweet. awesome but yeah thank you very much oh no before you go this um piss in gif this gif of you peeing that's on the internet how did that come about and do you have any idea how many times it's been used it was a so my a friend of mine he works at giphy and he was like, hey, do you want to come in and make some gifts? And I was like, no, not really. And um, and I went in and we had a couple of beers and he's got the, the studio set up and we were having a couple of drinks and I was like, all right, fine, let's let's make some gifts. And we did a bunch, but like some of them have had like, they've been used like 10 million times now or something mad. There's one of me pretending I need a piss. It's not of me pissing for the, for yeah, the yeah. record. Shit. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. For anybody uh, who was looking for that after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. And then there was one of me giving the finger, but that got taken down, but that got millions. And then there's another one of uh, me dancing and it got, and yeah, so I'm like, and all these famous people keep, (laughs) keep using this gif of me. The gif's more successful than me. The gif is more successful. (laughs) (laughs) It's a shame you can't get paid for play on gifts, really. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah, I know. The hashtag, um, let's start a hashtag. We should. (laughs) At least you can live forever in gif form, I suppose. Uh, How depressing is that? (laughs) <laughs> on your on your tombstone just have the gift but thank you so much mate uh, it's been great having you on and i'm sure we'll uh, we'll catch you at a show soon or something awesome thanks guys i'll let you know when i'm in where are you in wales Wait, um, well yeah if you if you're just anywhere in south wales just let us know <laughs> cardiff okay. mainly is easier Okay, cool. All right, we'll do. All right, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to Lots and lots of fun there with the hilarious Josh Weller. Go and check him out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, he's got TikTok. Go and check his TikTok out. That's very funny. And his Instagram reels are hilarious because they're merely his TikTok. So I just <laughs> kept talking for absolutely no reason. <laughs> but he's very no. funny. So go and fucking check it out. Yeah, we appreciate him coming in and giving us a kind of different insight into just the pa- parallels between music and comedy and just such an insane career. I've noticed that a lot of other just kind of bands and musicians and people in the industry find his stuff really funny, share it. And I think that's a great insight into how on the nose he is with this stuff in uh, from kind of the behind the scenes perspective well yeah he's very much like he's a modern day spinal tap in a way <laughs> so where does spinal tap if you go and watch spinal tap right the film spinal tap it's so much like being in a band right bands fucking love people in bands love it because it reminds them of the shit they've done so there's a scene in spinal tap where they get lost under the venue on the way to the stage that's happened to us Right, that happened to the blackout back in the day. One time we got lost in a lift and we didn't know what floor we had to get off to fucking go and play the gig. And we ended up in the kitchen. Right? <laughs> yeah. So if you go and watch Josh Wellers, you will see the behind the scenes of what goes on with bands and stuff. He's got a brilliant one about the first time DJ scratching was <laughs> um ever put on a song. And it's fucking because it, that's how we must have got. Like somebody went, Oh, there's a gap of there. Should we put some of that DJ scratch? Oh, from Hip Hop? Yeah. But yes, go and check Josh Weller out. He's fucking hilarious. I love all of his videos. It's so parallel to being in a modern band. It's fucking nuts. 
there's one bit I really enjoy as well where he's talking about mid-sized bands announcing <laughs> support tours and stuff. And at the Corporate end, it's like... Arms. Yeah, Corporate <laughs> Arms Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> and at the end, he's like, become a Platinum member and <laughs> come and watch us after the show get paid £45 by an angry promoter. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking brilliant. Definitely go give him a follow. Tell him something podcast fucking sent to you and um, that will probably just anger him. Yeah, we like making people angry, kind of, in, in a way. Uh, but this podcast is all about sharing people's stories, perspective, and insights into different aspects of music and the things we love. So if you have any suggestions of different kind of people you want to hear on the podcast in the future, let us know at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and TikTok. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of mention of The Offspring in this episode there we had them on last year for a chat on episode 131 <laughs> we did oh yeah if you haven't listened to our offspring episode right let's just say we asked them a question that i know they've never been asked before right that stumped them to the point where they had to look up what i was talking about so go yeah. and check that out uh because it was fucking brilliant and funny yes it's totally worth it but there was some interesting news this week, Sean, that I want oh, to yeah? bring up. Um, the Offspring are going to be headlining Slam Dunk Festival 2023 in the UK next summer. Oh, are they now? They are. Um, All right. But there was another band on that announcement that... Is it mine? No, sadly. Even though people were speculating that. I know what it was. After last week's episode, Slam Dunk's done the right thing and they've got Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> yes! Uh, finally! We're going to get up to this fucking energy crisis slump. Come on, Zach! Get a fucking leg healed by me! Go no, on, um, but it was, a different it was a different surprise instead and one I wasn't aware of and kind of low-key annoyed that we didn't know about it before it was oh, announced. Oh, tamping. Tamping. <laughs> and that's the return of Kids in Glass Houses! To quote Mike Patton, uh, what year is this? <laughs> yes, our fucking friends, Kids in Glass Houses, are back to do Slam Dunk. And I'm sure they'll do some other shows as well. Uh, congratulations to the boys. I had no fucking idea. No. Um, to the point where somebody who's a manager emailed me thinking, he emailed me to question if I thought Kids in Glass Houses would get back together. And I said, no fucking chance. <laughs> so that's made me look fucking stupid with managers. Um, but yes, congratulations to the boys. What a fucking thing. To see the outpouring of fucking love for him, to see him trending on Twitter and stuff was absolutely amazing. I cannot wait for those shows. It's going to be such a fucking brilliant love fest. Well done to Slam Dunk, pulling out the fucking bag again. Kids of Glass Houses and the Academy is. Yeah, exclusive uh, re returns for the festival. But yeah, 15th anniversary of Kids and Glass Houses, Smart Casual. Seeing that they're announcing that they're a thing again, it made me feel like a little kid. And there was loads of messages from people I haven't spoken to in a long time that I used to go to those kind of gigs with and stuff. And I think there's just going to be a lot of love surrounding those shows. But Sean, I've got to ask you this now. Um, what? Obviously, uh, it's almost like it's the 2010s again. You've got Kids and Glass Houses are back. Young Guns are back. We at really the Ocean are. are doing a show in October. You Meet yeah. Six and Defavana are still producing quality music. Yeah. So my question to you is... Thryzen, don't forget Thryzen. Thryzen still exists. When do you... Um, 
When do you well, think uh, Canterbury are going to get back together? Oh! <laughs> Soon I fucking hope. Oh, get Canterbury back together and support kids in glass houses, for fuck's sake. <gasps> okay, I would love that. Yeah, um, so yeah, over the last couple of weeks, Slam Dunk have been, <laughs> have been um, playing games where they've changed their display picture to an all-black thing. And um, everybody instantly thought, oh, that means the blackout. Um, completely ignoring the fact that Enter Shikari brought out a single called Enter the Void, which starts with a black scene and then some white eyes come out of the darkness. But yeah, thank you very much for everybody for the love for the blackout and tell us to get back together. It's not me you need to speak to, is it? <laughs> if you've listened to it, if you listen to two or more episodes of this where we've mentioned the blackout, you know full fucking well I never left the band. The band <laughs> left me. Um, but yeah, I think Slamdown's going to be fucking amazing. And this is just the first run of announcements as well. You know, maybe, like Yaz said, the only way is up. Maybe it can, uh, it can get better. Oh, can it get better? Well, Rage Against the Machine will get announced. That'll be good. <laughs> um, who else can we have a slam dunk that would be good? Slipknot. <laughs> Slipknot Slam Dunk Slam Knot Oh I'm going to make a band I'm going to make a cover band Slam Knot <laughs> But it'd be be interesting to see what, what happens with all that But as well Some quick news For us I wanted to mention Is that this weekend um, The WWE Are in Are the Fed uh, The UK They're going to be Having yep. a, a really big show on In the stadium in Cardiff Which is very close to us uh, live pay-per-view Clash of the Castle is going to be shown all over the world nice they've only yeah. gone and invited us to uh, attend the show and what? possibly talk to some wrestlers before uh, I don't so want to do that I fucking we might hate get wrestling beaten up we might get beat up seriously this. injured yeah well tell you what today as we're recording this is I'm going to do you know what I'm going to fucking I'm going to break kayfabe right now Okay. Today is not Friday. I went on live when you listen to this, when this comes out. Today, I know, big reveal. Today is Thursday, the day before. And I am going to a WWE wrestler's wedding today. Um, so I'm open. I won't die. Um, I've literally had my haircut to look like the bit, a little bit most like a wrestler there. Anybody who knows, give me a follow on Instagram, at Sean Smith Sucks. He's at MHRichards underscore. And uh, yeah, have a look at my haircut because I've gone all out childish wrestler and I've got, I've had three lines put in the side of my head like I'm having a fucking breakdown. Um, but yes, as Morgan said, we've been invited by WWE. Triple H texted me the other day, said, um, sure no, fancy fucking wrestling anyway. And I ignored him. And then um, Stephanie McMahon got in touch with Morgan and said, Morgan, fancy some wrestling? And Morgan said, yes. Um, so yes, we're going to go down and hopefully chat to some people. Look, I'm going to put this out in the universe now. I need to meet the undertaker just so my seven year old nephew Hudson can have a video because he absolutely loves the undertaker. He absolutely loves WWE and wrestling at the moment. And all his favorite wrestlers are really tall. So undertaker is going to be there. I said, Oh, I might meet the undertaker Friday. And he said to me, how much taller is he going to be than you? And I went, it's not the most impressive thing about our sentence I've said to you. Um, but yes, so thank you very much to the Fed for um, hooking us up. That's mad, isn't it? WWE hooking the boys up. Nice one. Cheers, Trips. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you keep updated with our social media over the week to see what happens with that. And uh, 
when you can expect some of those conversations to possibly come out at Sapling Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, just a quick reminder before we end this to please go and support us via our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. If you've had a laugh during this and just enjoy what we do, that is the best way to support us, keep this going. We try and put as many benefits and bonuses, exclusives, behind the scenes content and all that on there just to say thank you for taking the initiative to support us and the community of people that have come out of our Patreon is the most beautiful thing in the world. We're going to be seeing some of them hopefully in Cardiff this week with WWE and just come and join the party. Patreon.com forward slash Sapnin and Sean is going to give them a hoosive shout out to some of of the names included in our top tiers of our Patreon community. Thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwoe, Janelle Castan, Paul Hirschfield, Mitch Perry, Tony Michael, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Irwin, Emma Barber, Nathan Croshaw, Natasha Morris, Sammy G, Kat Besson, Dana Lasnava, Jenny Robertson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Kieran Olmey, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Tom Owen, Stuart McNaught, Kayla O'Sullivan, M. Evans Roberts, Caroline Robinson, Kate Puttock, Stephen Aston. Welcome! Welcome, brother! Thank you very much. Louis Cook, Martina McManus, Danny Eaton, Carl Pendlebury, James McNaught, Jenny Sexyboy Munster, Craig Harris, Jason Aredia, John and Emma, Emily Perry, Kelly Cannon, Kalila Keen, Adam King of the Goss Parcelot. Happy birthday for the other day, brother. Ollie Sean Skater Tables, pass it on Amesbury. That's in a reference to uh, our wrestling podcast with Tegan Knox or Nixon Newell. Thank you very much. Josh, why couldn't a pirate learn the alphabet? He got lost at sea, Chris. Jesus Christ. Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. Oh, look what he's done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Alice Wood. Gary White, again, get in touch with us. Ruth Bowling, Kate Stevenson, Kyle, Kyle Fatty's Boys. Ooh, the Lewises. Ooh, Fatty's Boys. David Smith, that's a reference to Twin Town. And last by no means least, thank you very much to Connor Lewins and family. Ooh, love every Ooh-hoo. single person who helps make this happen. That's patreon.com forward slash Sapman. Again, get involved. Thank you to everyone who's listened this far. Thank you, Josh Weller, again, for taking the time and being hilarious and having uh, a good chat with us. And we will see you next Friday and every week with more ridiculous guests, random sentences, and a laugh. Yes, fucking tidy, man. Sapnin! Sapnin! Lovely. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.